You are listening to the Fresh Thinking Podcast. Finlay and Simon chat with friends, colleagues and clients around business and philosophy. Hello there and welcome to a call we're going to call Fresh Thinking. Myself and Simon, who helps me at Fresh as an associate, we've got a conversation lined up with Sandy McCurdy of The Sales Coach today. Hi, Sandy. Hello there. Hi, guys. Good to talk to you. Hi, Simon. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. Uh, Good to hear you both. Hope you're keeping safe. Uh, Yeah, all well here. Good, good. So we just thought it was was a chance for us to, to connect um, as you say, we're all working from home just now in the lockdown, and it's maybe given us a, a chance to sit back and think a little bit about what we do in our lives and in our business. Well, I, th- I think we've got plenty of, we've had plenty of time to think, and certainly I've been using it, I think, to good use. It's made me think about a lot of things, uh, and especially to do with one of the things I'm passionate about, which is selling. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to dig deep into my memory and basically write down stuff that that, that um, I think might have been important thing that that I've experienced in life. Um, so that maybe, you know, when I've got a few things together, I can look back on it and see, and, and I'm sure there's stuff in there which is maybe below the surface, which will come out and, uh, you know, shape shape things uh, when we get back to normal, maybe. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, Sandy, you're maybe getting on with one of your writing projects. I know there's a lot of people um, around the world writing that book that they've promised themselves. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I, I, my wife kept telling me that I must write the book because I always told her little stories that happened when I was a salesperson. Most of them funny, some of them unprintable. <laughs> um, and I've got about 60 episodes that I'm gradually working on that I have to finish by the end of June, which is a self-imposed target date for the first draft of it. Um, I think this time I'll make it an audio book. Because it probably lend itself to that, but uh, as I say, my wife keeps reading some of the episodes and saying, "You can't use that one." So <laughs> interesting. Editor in chief. And well, I'm I'm finding that calls like this are quite a nice way to create content, and, and especially the yes. ability to get it transcribed by yes. um, you know either a robot or a professional typist, and you 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 can still tell the difference. Thankfully, I'm quite pleased to say. But yes. You talking about your experiences maybe brings us around to kind of more of the, the the pure content that I wanted to try and unpack with you. Now, mm-hmm. Simon and I came and did a little bit of work with you. Was that maybe six, eight weeks ago? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. And, and it, it was, you know, an engaging piece of work. We certainly enjoyed ourselves. And I think it was quite easy, the three of us, to go into a, an almost philosophical conversation after we discussed our favorite favorite guitarists and so on. <laughs> sure, yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so I thought this would be quite easy for us to do. And, and then, Sandy, you mentioned to me that you'd been um, exploring and thinking about the four intelligences as they relate to sales and selling. So do you want to tell us a little bit more about that? 
Yeah, I suppose I should take a step back and say I've been in sales for more than 40 years, I guess, and, and went into it with the intention of staying six six months or so and then get into the sexy side of marketing, but got so engrossed in selling, I've pretty well been there all my life. Um, and I've seen it change absolutely dramatically over the past, certainly the past five years or six years. The, the, my thinking about it was that what worries me in selling is that if you say to somebody, tell me about selling, their view is always negative. Pretty ne usually it's negative. It's along the lines of, oh, you help salespeople to manipulate people. You help people to do the hard sell. And nothing could be further from the truth about good selling. And, and I guess the journey I've been on is that you start off thinking about, well, we need to have the the concrete facts about what people need in selling. And that goes down to knowledge. It goes down to what processes can you put in place. And that's been something that um, sales coaches have come out for a, a good number of years. But then very quickly, we, we realize there's another side to it. It's not just about achieving sales. To do that, you have to have, you have to build rapport with customers. So that leads into the emotional intelligence side. And so what does that mean? How do you build rapport? How do you build trust? And I think that the challenge we've had there, people have seen that as being very much a process instead of seeing it as being implementing your values, implementing who you are. As my dad said to me when I started my first job, don't forget, you can lose your integrity, but you'll never get it back. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes for salespeople, that the good salespeople have a huge amount of integrity. And that leads people to, customers to begin to like them because of their behavior. Then they get to trust them. And it's only when salespeople have customers trusting them that they get the order. Um, I think what's led on to my current thinking was meeting up with a, a, a woman called Liz Oliver, and I met her through the Women's Business Station, and oh, she yes, had written a book called The Change Equation. Um, and that's had a real radical effect on me because it made me think that, hold on a minute, there's another two intelligences here that pertain to sales, but not just sales, but into our personal lives. And the third one is physical, and, and it really hit home with me. And the physical side really is that idea about our, our head, heart, and gut. And if you go back to the, the dinosaur days when we were chasing round, I guess it became that, that idea of the sense of being hardwired to danger. Mm -hmm. And I think that's something that perhaps we've lost a bit of. The only way I can explain it is that a while ago, I met a friend who had a partner, and I met the partner, and I had an instant uneasiness about this person. Mm -hmm. I thought, there's something not quite right about this person, yeah. and it transpired that this, this guy ended up um, completely doing the dirty on my friend and running to another country. And I spoke to my other a friend about him. She said she felt exactly the same. And I think that's what's happening in communication. 
the physical side, the physical intelligence is there to a greater or less extent. Um, and it's, it's like an alarm system, but, but it's much more than that. And it's been very interesting talking to Liz, Liz Oliver about it. And the fourth um, intelligence is spiritual. And I think five, ten years ago, uh, uh, as a salesperson, uh, and I'm probably one of the least naive persons you'll ever come across, to think about, well, where the hell does spiritual intelligence fit into sales? But I think it does. And maybe it's easier to call it systemic intelligence, that, that idea about everything is connected. So a really good salesperson does take the view that um, what I am doing by selling this product at this time fits into a bigger picture. So that's really, the only way I can describe it is it's a work in progress, but I guess it'll always be a work in progress. Yeah, I hope that sort of gives us an idea of what I'm about. That's brilliant, Sandy. Thanks for sharing that with us. And and I think you're right. All these models, if you think that it's perfect, then that's possibly its biggest failing. So I think that final point you made um, is really important. Simon may want to pick up on a couple of those things, but I'll just make one point if I could, going back to the emotional intelligence and you know, through that, and, and I can see a lovely diagram there, you know, possibly the pyramid or something as, as it evolves and you get deeper, you know, your, your thinking's obviously fairly advanced. Mm. And what we often see and you experience it is fairly shallow sales activity where a salesperson is trying to make that connection because they've been trained or read that they yeah. need to become your friend but yes. it's also terribly false and, um, you know, a bit transparent. But you spoke about um, the values and yes. the work that we do, I think, then crosses over into the, the culture of the brand. And yes. The values that live within and make up the brand and they yes. have to be within the salesperson. Um, yes. Simon, I'm sure you've got um, good and bad experiences of salespeople. What, what do you think well, of Sandy's little model there? Well, absolutely. I, th- I think I think it's a I think it's a very good analysis. Um, I think that what struck me particularly was that the last two uh, intelligences that you mentioned, I think, are very very closely connected, and they're really to do with intuition. Um, and I think, you know, for the purposes of, of, of discussion, it's interesting to break these down into different areas of intelligence. But I think there is a kind of unifying thread that runs through all of them where um, they're all part of the same thing. And I think, uh, you know, we, we've kind of culturally, we've kind of been brought up to be a little bit suspicious of our intuition, um, a little bit fearful of things that we don't understand. And I think that that is changing now. Um, And particularly situations like the one we're going through at the moment, this is all kind of opening up a new new way of thinking. Um, And I think that, uh, you know, we we do get reactions to people and we tend not to take notice of them um, and I think that when we do take notice of them we build up that trust that you were talking about that connection with people um, 
So I, I think, uh, you know, there is an opportunity at the moment to, to, to open the whole thing up and, and, and take a fresh look at it. I would agree, Simon. I, I think not just recently, but in the past few years, the world's tilted and it's a very, very exciting time to be in the world and a challenging time, obviously. Yeah. But, but I've noticed that, um, that when I meet people, when I'm running customer service courses or, or sales courses, people are already doing this and maybe not being able to name what they're doing and maybe even not value what it is they do. Um, I, I was Sorry, on you go. No, no, I was just going to say, I think that's an absolutely key point. Um, certainly in my experience, um, books I've read, courses I've done, uh, things I've looked at, I've very often come away at the end of it and thought, well, a lot of what I've read is actually what I'm doing already, but I've been doing it in a very unconscious way. Um, and when it's brought out and put in front of you, you've got the opportunity to, to, to analyze it, improve it, see which bits of it work. So, yes, I totally agree about that. I, th I think the, the other thing that, that hits me is I was um, speaking to somebody who's going to come on one of our courses and he's launching a business and he said, do you think I should come on the, the course before... I start the business and, and I said, absolutely not, because you've already had success selling. You're already selling. So why don't you carry on doing what you're doing and taking action? Because in sales, nothing happens unless you take action. And the actions you're taking are succeeding. So our course will probably help you to think about the challenges you face now and you're going to face in the future. So it's that idea of, yes, maybe people see me as an expert, but I think I see myself as a facilitator rather than an expert. Yes, I mean, pe people have to have the experiences in order to learn from them. So, you know, it, 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 it doesn't really work that you sit down and study the experiences before you have them. You need to, you need to actually physically go through something and then look at where it went right or where it went wrong. Yeah, and I also like what you said there, Simon, about the fact that the four, although we're taking the four intelligences separately, they have to be seen as a whole. And, and I think what that leads on to, and, and I think it was Finley mentioned that as some salespeople see themselves as have to be liked, but there's a great book written recently called The Challenger Sale by two guys. And what that basically said, that the most successful salespeople are the ones who have got the empathic skills to question and challenge their customer in their thinking. Because what we salespeople are trying to do is to move people from where they are now in their thinking to a better way of thinking in terms of how they see it, not in terms of how the salesperson see it. And I think that, that point about them all being combined requires us just to have a go at it. It's almost like reading, the way I see it is I read all this stuff, then treat it as if I've absorbed it and just carry on. If you see what I mean. Yes, totally. It's, a, it's, it, it, it's happening in so many different areas of the world. This, this whole, what, what, what people call a holistic approach to things. It happens yes. in medicine, it happens in business, it happens everywhere you know that, that, that you're, you're not just focusing on the technique that you've learned for whatever area you're working in but there's a much broader scenario out there and um, you know which influences everything you do. 
Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly the word that I was um, searching for, Simon, the holistic, that those are interdependent. If you want to be doing it at a very high level, obviously you can, I, I think you can come into it and start to touch on it. But if you want it to be really powerful, um, it, it, all the elements need to be present. And um, this is about Sandy, but I just briefly mentioned the, the snowflake that we use as a framework. Um, there's the seven E's of brand that we use as a consulting framework, and that's a six-pointed snowflake. And we make the point that they are interdependent, that the, the snowflake doesn't work. It's kind of broken if, if one of the elements isn't present. So it's similar. Um, but the, the other point I wanted to make, Sandy, is you, know, you, um, you trade as um, the sales coach, and the way you're talking is very much... Um, using the coaching mentality or philosophy, yes. um, so some people have to have their own experiences. It's not it's not training, which is different. You stand up and kind of teach, don't you? But, no. but no. You know, is is that important to you? That coaching element. Oh, I, I think it's vital because I think people learn by discovering things for themselves, and and I love running customer service workshops with people that have worked in in customer-focused areas because they bring so much to it. And you can see them going away thinking quite often. You, some, you mentioned, I think one of you mentioned that idea about it's real. I think it was Simon, you mentioned, and this happens to me, people go, it's really nice to hear that what I believe in a woolly way, other people see that as the way it should be done. And I think that really helps them. Yes. If I could just go back to your brand analysis there, I, I, I think I'm at the, I guess, one end, one side of the, the snowflake, but it is interconnected. And I love the analysis that, I don't know if you've heard of a company called Nordstrom. Nordstrom are a department store and web-based. Yeah, I think they were one of the businesses under investigation with Jim Collins. He's good to great, if I remember correctly. Ah, right. And I think what I like, it. one of the things they do is they say on the top of the organization chart are the customer-facing teams, and at the bottom of the chart is the CEO, because the CEO are there to be servants to the customer-facing teams, and that way then they ensure that the customer gets fantastic service. It seems very obvious, doesn't it? But so many companies do it the other way around. Yeah, I, I know. I, I love the thing, and maybe I can just share this. I picked it up from my pal Peter Waggett of Vertical Motives, who uh, he's another sales coach that I really rate. And he sent me a, a, a Harvest Business Review article, and the quote came from Max Dupre from Herman Miller. And he said, the first, the first responsibility of a, a, a team leader is to define reality. And that's not to say make everything sound rosy is to tell people how things actually are so people are in no doubt and, and in no doubt the way forward and the last thing a team leader should do is say thank you and in between the two the the team leader is the servant and i totally get that and and, that, and some of the best um, work i feel i've done is to see myself as the the servant to the team and that way, you're really helping the team and respecting the team to do their best. 
it's quite a it's quite a new way of looking at things, and and I guess one of the problems is is um, transmitting that message to to the to the teams, the people in the teams, so that they can see that that is your role, rather than simply um, you know you at the top, them at the bottom listening. Yeah, and I, I think the easiest way to do it, Simon, it can be, but the thing is, is about the behaviour of the leader. I worked um, um, with uh, teams that were in about six different locations, and I made a point of going around to see them every week. And all I did was say to them, any problems, any challenges? And then it worked very well because you could solve some of the problems, but even if you couldn't solve the problem and had to go back and say, I'm really sorry, guys, our processes aren't working properly, you're just going to have to get on with it, but I appreciate it's difficult for you. Yeah. I think that, that makes people feel, well, at least it cares enough to try. And it's removing the, 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 the fear um, that people have of the sense of their sense of inadequacy, sense of responsibility when things aren't maybe going um, quite the way they want them to. And, and you know, they, they, they feel slightly threatened by the situation. Absolutely. But if, if the person running it's, uh, you know, is sympathetic like that, then of course it makes all the difference. Yeah, I mean, I used to break the rules when I was a sales manager because we had a system whereby the salesperson would fill in their annual performance review and then the leader, myself, would fill in what actually happened. That was the way it was tended to be looked on. But what I used to do was, was fill in my performance review in front of the salesperson and sometimes get them to fill it in. And what would happen would be the, the salesperson would be very, very hypercritical of themselves. And so we would spend most of my time saying, no, no, you actually do that really well if you think about it. If you think about the calls we're doing. And then so when you came to the bit about what action is going to be taken for that salesperson or the salesperson is going to do, they're much more comfortable and open about their weaknesses and what they feel they need to achieve going forward. And I, I think you're right. It's, in some ways, it's a new way of looking at it for some, but it has been about for a long time. Yes, sure. Classic um, coaching techniques that you're you're talking about there, Sandy. You know, developing those strong relationships of of trust, but yes. also giving ownership back to the performer, or you know, in this case, the the salesperson. Yes. Yes. So you know, it can show that it's really very much part of of who you are and how you operate. And um, I know I know Simon had a point there, but just. Another was how amazing it is to see those skills in an individual. So the leadership skills that you spoke about there, you know, leading by example and, and you know, great communication skills and so on. Um, but if they can then be taken into the wider organization, so they become cultural, in my opinion, and it's kind of what Jim Collins was saying in Good to Great, then that's where you're actually going to go somewhere rather than having a great manager here or there and possibly even having to break the rules because um, their way is not the, the culture of the whole organization. Um, yeah, it, it's get by to the brand as well. It's living the brand, I think, in the little things. It's like when I was, at, I worked for McCain Foods, the Canadian frozen food company, and we bought our 
a, a company with a factory, and the factory was getting a, a, a visit from the McCain people, and they discovered that the waste processes were appalling, and they were spraying the waste onto a, a field. Mm. And the McCain view was that stops now, right at this moment. Mm. That is not acceptable. And I guess that's getting back to the systemic view of life. That, but, that's but not what we're about. Yeah, and, and their values trumped the economic at that point. They say, right, we've got a good good business, um, but there's certain things, yeah, that just aren't acceptable. Can I, can I maybe share another McCain story that might bring it alive as well? I mean, my um, going back 30, 35 years ago, my wife had cancer, and I phoned up my boss, and he said, take all the time off you want, do what you can in terms of the job, we'll take care of it. Now, when somebody says that to you, you get really committed to that company, as you can imagine. Yeah, for sure. So I think that's where I, I, I see what you guys do is very much about trying to tease out the values of, or, and the, the real, the feelings, the four intelligences, if you like, of a company or an organization. Because you don't want the brand to misrepresent them. Yeah, you, you gave me, a, Finlay, you gave me a very interesting book to read called Fusion by Denise Lee Young, yeah. um, which deals with, with, with that whole concept of there being a very definite culture within an organization. All the values, the, the, the individuals um, have their values, but those values must reflect the general values of the company. Yeah. Uh, an interesting... Uh, and I think they, I can't remember which companies they singled out, but they did single out a few companies that have got that right. I think that goes back to um, the, the recruitment policy and McCain's recruitment policy was higher attitude. We can always train people to do what we need. And I think that gets into aligning the, the attitude or the values of the individual with the company. I, I totally agree, Sandy, and I, and I think um, it's an area that is going to develop. Um, I think good recruiters and good businesses are aware of that, um, but I think we're maybe still too hung up on other issues within the typical CV um, yeah. without understanding the, the individuals and, and their values and to see if they connect with the, the brand values. And, and I think there's potential, um, but that's, you know, that's not across the board. I think good businesses and good recruiters certainly do that. Yeah, I think you're right. I think it's that idea about, I, I, I have a, a, a thing at the moment that we're, we get bogged down in measurement of things, just like you're saying about using the CV and, and I was thinking the other day, if, if, you, if you try and measure things too much, you destroy the poetry and the magic. And I think that goes for selling because you have to let people fail. You have to let people make mistakes. Um, and if you just use measurement, then you're not going to get that magic and the, the big results, if you like. No, and I, I, I know that's actually um, the strap line that Simon uses in his photography business, <laughs> finding the magic. Yes, we right. Back to those kind of further levels of intelligences, don't we? Um, yeah. 
you know, if we just get stuck at the typical IQ, are we yes. maybe not, you know, we're not firing on all cylinders, are we? No, no. I, th I think um, being allowed to find the magic is is the key to this. Um, certainly, I know that that um, in my photography, um, if I'm commissioned to do something, I will. The best results are always produced when people say, you know, you know what to do. Go ahead and do it. Um, you have the conversations first so that you understand the client, you understand their needs, you understand what they're looking for. Um, so they're kind of winding you up there and then they let you go and that's when the magic happens. Yes. Um, if, yeah. it, it, if they put too many rigid constraints on you about what they think they want or how they think should things should be done, then the results are never quite as satisfactory. No. And, and I think, Simon, you would be good at challenging your client in a very appropriate and empathic way which is what we alluded to earlier well yes we we talked about this uh the idea of of um you mentioned this when we had our chat a few weeks ago but the the idea of bringing building up enough trust to be able to yes. disagree with the client um, yeah. and for him to realize that, that it's a positive thing not a threatening thing absolutely i, I guess to, to finish, I don't know if we're finishing off, um, but it seems to me that what I base my selling on is never, never manipulation. It's about inspiring the client to buy. And if I can't inspire a client to buy, then I don't think they should buy from me. And, and I love the, 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 the thing Dan Pink said at the end of his book, um, To Sell as Human. He says, um, if, you, if you're going to sell something to somebody, it must make their life better. And if you can sell something to them that makes their life better, then in a little way, you're making the world better. And I think that's what we have to do in future. And I think good salespeople and good companies are doing now and will do in the future and probably survive and thrive because of it. Yeah, yeah. That's it, a great soundbite, Sandy. And we, we probably could finish up there. You've maybe answered this, but I'm just going to give you a final a final challenge, if right. you'll allow me. So um, if you are advising or coaching um, and you are trying to help salespeople move up that ladder or the pyramid, yeah. how, what would be the best bit of advice to say um, to start using your spiritual intelligence um, what, what would you advise how people could start to maybe get uh, an understanding of that? I think that's a great question. Um, maybe I can answer it this way, because I did a little bit of work for a company which had a, a very young team. And that with two elements that we felt would help the young people to perform better was to give them um, a session on commercial awareness. So they would understand the challenges, um, what was happening within that customer, what the customer's challenges were with their customer, with their industry. And so that was to give them a wider picture, which I guess relates back to the idea of systemic thinking or spiritual thinking. And the second area we covered was personal branding. And, and I love the, the definition that I heard for personal branding 
which was um, a personal brand is what people say about you when you're not in the room. And I think what the personal branding part is basically how you behave at all times, how you serve your customer, how you supply them with insights, with challenges. And I think the two together, I, I guess, and I hadn't thought about this, actually helps to achieve an element of the four intelligence in one. That, does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, that's, that's really well done. And, and I think that hopefully will be a reference point for people. Um, mm. And uh, yeah, I would just like to thank you just now. I think we'll we'll wrap up and we'll we'll share this little chat and hopefully people will get value from it, maybe change their thinking a little bit or change their behavior. And I guess that would be a great outcome for us. So thanks, Sandy. Simon, thanks for joining us. No, that was great. Enjoyed it a lot. It's in, good to hear all your your your, your views and, and stories, Sandy. It's fascinating. Yeah. Well, thank you, guys. I mean, you always make me think as well. So I really appreciated this, and it's been fun. Thank you.